This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. The lone voice crying in the wilderness. That's what we will be discussing on the show today. Good afternoon, good Saturday afternoon. You're listening to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio. Radio Network. This is your host, Walker Wildman. And the lone voice crying in the wilderness, that's what we're going to be discussing. Who is the lone voice? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. But in the meantime, for more information about today's show, you can visit AFR.net, AFR.net. Also, the show, Exposing Washington, is available in, for a podcast, for your podcast download. So whether you own an Apple device or an Android, etc., you can download the podcast on your app store there or your podcast store for your smartphone. And lastly, you can simply visit AFR.net, AFR.net, or download the AFR app and also uh, listen to the past shows there, past shows on expo- for Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio mobile app. And uh, if you want to email the show, ExposingWashington at AFR.net, ExposingWashington at AFR.net, those emails will come directly to my inbox, and I will be glad to read your input uh, if we'll keep it keep it friendly there. Uh, although I do take, I try to take criticisms uh, well, uh, some for the most part. So, anyways, I'm I'm am kidding. Uh, email me your thoughts on the show. I'll be glad to look at those emails and uh, maybe even mention the email on the show if I find it worthy. Um, and before we move on to the, we're going to be t- talking about the budgetary process in Washington D.C. But I want to let our listeners know, because for the past week or two, we've been discussing on the show the FBI and Department of Justice, a lot of the corruption and scandals that are going on there and that have gone on there. And I just want you to know that I'm not passing up on that subject. We are definitely going to circle back around on the Russia investigation and the FBI and Department of Justice uh, investigations that are going on in the coming weeks. This, this issue is going to be at the forefront of the news, I believe, for months to come. So on, on future shows, we will circle back around on that issue, and I will keep you up to date on it. Um, but this week, who's the lone voice, you're wondering, crying in the wilderness? I would suggest it's Senator Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky seemed to be, seemed to be the only voice of sanity last week in Washington, D.C., And the reason that is is because our Congress passed a massive budget deal. Congress last week passed a massive budget deal. And just to give you a little backgrounder on it, it was a 700-page bill, a 700-page bill that was introduced 24 hours prior to the vote. So 700 pages introduced 24 hours prior to the vote which gave senators and their staff very little time to read what was in the bill. In addition, there was no debate or amendments allowed. No debate, no amendments allowed to the bill. 
which is problematic. And I'll explain, and Senator Rand Paul will uh, explain via audio clips why that's problematic. And to go ahead and set this up, let's just go ahead and listen to Rand Paul. This is clip one, Senator Rand Paul talking about the hypocrisy in Washington when it comes to spending and what he was trying to do to fix it. Let's listen. The exchange you just watched was me asking to have a 15-minute vote. I've been asking all day. I've been asking all week for it. We could have literally had dozens of votes today, but we squabble because people don't want to be put on the spot. So the reason I'm here tonight is to put people on the spot. I want people to feel uncomfortable. I want them to have to answer people at home who said, how come you were against President Obama's deficits? And then how come you're for Republican deficits? Isn't that the very definition of intellectual dishonesty? If you were against President Obama's deficits and now you're for the Republican deficits, isn't that the very definition of hypocrisy? People need to be made aware. Your senators need to answer people from home and they need to answer this debate. We should have a full-throated debate. My amendment says this simply, we should obey the budget caps. What are budget caps? These are limits we placed on spending, both military and non-military. We placed them in 2011 and guess what? For a year or two, government actually shrunk. But now government's taking off and this new stimulus of deficit spending will be as big as President Obama's stimulus. That is music to my ears. That's music to my ears. How often do you hear such logical thinking coming from the Senate floor? Coming from the Senate floor, aired on national television. That was Senator Rand Paul last week. And the reason this garnered so much attention is he held up, Senator Rand Paul held up the entire budget process. I love it. This this is my kind of business. Senator Rand Paul unilaterally held up the entire budget process to call out the hypocrisy of the Republicans in Washington. And the way he did this was he objected to the bill. He objected to this massive 700-page bill that was only brought up and introduced 24 hours before the vote. He brought up his objection to it, and he spoke for hours on the problem with our budget system in Washington, D.C. Just a couple headlines, and then I'm going to tell you what was in the budget. I know you, you want to know that information. A couple headlines, and these are from conservatives and liberals alike in the news media. This is from The Hill, thehill.com. Rand Paul tried to do his job and got the wrath of the Senate in exchange. That's the headline. Rand Paul tried to do his job and got the wrath of the Senate in exchange. Yes, he did get the wrath of the Senate. All of his colleagues, both Republican and Democrat, were thumbing their nose and whispering behind this fellow's back, behind the senator's back, because how dare he hold up the budget process? They were, they were anxious to go home on vacation, anxious to go home on the taxpayer dollar, and the, how, they, they did not have the energy to even debate a budget bill, a much less a budget bill of this size. Another headline, this is from the Washington Examiner. Rand Paul acted like a Republican should act, and everyone else should take notes. I agree with that. Lastly, this is from CNN. These are all opinion pieces. 
I mind you, but this is from CNN. Rand Paul was right. The headline, Rand Paul was right. The first, the first paragraph says, When Rand Paul took control of the Senate floor just before 6 p.m. Eastern, virtually every one of his Republican co- colleagues grimaced. Five years ago, they would have cheered him. And that's right. That's from CNN. The, the, the author there is right. So five years ago, six years ago, when President Obama was signing these massive deficit-adding spending bills, Republicans were outraged. At least they acted like they were outraged. Now they're the ones doing it. They're the ones passing these massive bills that they don't even read. You can't tell me that they go through and read all 700 pages and understand and comprehend where every dollar of taxpayer expenses or taxpayer revenue is going. They don't. At best, at best, their staffers skim through the 700 pages. I don't care how many staff members you got. Unless you got 700 staff members and you give each one page to investigate, there's no way they fully comprehend every penny of expenditures in these spending bills. But to be more specific, here's what was in the bill. Here's what's ma- what made it pro- problematic. First, the, there it was done in non-regular order, meaning it was one massive bill rather than 12 separate appropriation bills, which I will explain later. But typically, our government is supposed to pass, our Congress is supposed to pass 12 separate spending bills and send them each to the president or pass them all and then combine them and then send them to the president. But instead, this is a jumbo bill. This is one jumbo bill, so either you're far funding the government or you're not. There is no room for debate, amendments, or objections. So basically, whoever puts the bill together, which is Senate leadership, they pick what's in the bill. And you give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if you give a thumbs down, then they'll bl- blame you for wanting to shut down the government. But uh, the, the, the increase in spending, over 300 or nearly $300 billion in in pure deficit spending, which means money we do not have, $296 billion over the next two years. A total of $165 billion will go in the next two years to defense spending. I'm not against defense spending, but it does cause me hesitation when we don't have the money for defense spending. Uh, but the, more, the most problematic spending of this bill, other, if I, without getting in the weeds too much, is the non-defense spending. We, we meaning Congress, Congress increased the non-defense, which is, which is basically domestic spending, which is welfare, non-defense spending, $131 billion over two years. $131 billion over two years, above the previous budget. Where did that, where did that $131 billion go? Well, $90 billion of it went to disaster relief in Florida, Puerto Rico, and Texas. This is on top of the billions we've already sent to those states in months past. And this is going to get your blood boiling. It does mine. Congress sent $10 billion to insurance companies as a bailout. $10 billion. Not $10,000, not $10 million. $10 billion to insurance companies because they can't pay their own bills. 
And what does this link back to? It links back to Obamacare. Obamacare, these insurance companies are being subsidized by the federal government. And this is just one, one, one bailout. $10 billion going to insurance companies to bail them out because they don't know how to manage their own money as a private company. Well, this goes farther. This swamp is deeper than you think, and we're going to continue discussing it after the break. The lone voice crying in the wilderness, Senator Rand Paul, will commend him, and we will defend him after the break. Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper and deeper in credit card debt and you're not sure how to fix the problem? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management is a nonprofit organization that will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges and reduce your interest rates by as much as 60%. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. It's not a loan. It's a smart way to relieve your stress, meet your obligations, and preserve your self-respect. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Gather up your bills and call this toll-free number for a free, no-obligation debt analysis. 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. If you're in debt and you need help, Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. Eight Days of Hope has been around for 12 and a half years and never did we expect to see a storm wreak havoc in a state like we did with Hurricane Harvey. This past year, for seven weeks, Eight Days of Hope volunteers from around the world poured into Southeast Houston as we helped out thousands of families gutting their houses, drying them out, treating them for mold, bringing them food, bringing them supplies, and now we're going back. That's where you and I get a chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we want to invite you, you, your family, your loved ones, people that you hang out with, people you work with, Eight Days of Hope 14 and our first ever back-to-back trip. That's right, Eight Days of Hope 14 and 15, Southeast Houston from March 10th to March 24th. We're looking for skilled professionals, people who know how to work with their hands and maybe they do this for a living. We're also looking for people that are less skilled but are still looking to be a part of something way bigger than just themselves. Go to 8dayshope.com for more information, 8dayshope.com. Come be a part of the largest rebuilding trip ever planned by 8 Days of Hope. Welcome back to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. Glad to have you all back to the second uh, segment of Exposing Washington. Find out more information, visit AFR.net, AFR.net. Also, you can download the podcast on your smart device. Download the podcast on your smart device. Listen later on. Maybe if you didn't get to catch the entire show, you can listen listen at AFR.net or you can download the podcast. Well, uh, what I was talking about before the break is talking about Senator Rand Paul being the only one to highlight and be willing to intercede on behalf of the American people when it comes to the awful, terrible, no-good budget process that Congress is taking part in. And Senator Paul alluded to this in, his, in the clip I paid, played in the first segment. 
But Republicans are hypocrites. Not all of them, of course, but many of them, might I say, are hypocrites. And they know who they are. It starts with the leadership in the House and the Senate. Congressman Paul Ryan, House Speaker Paul Ryan, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, they lead the charge on this hypocrisy because they decried and detested President Obama's what they called wasteful spending, which I think they were right. But when Republicans are in office and in control and in the White House, they spend the same, if not more, money. So where are they? So are they really fiscal budget hawks? No, they're not. They only are when it helps them politically. And more offensive, they abandon the conservative wing of their party and cut deal with Democrats, and cut deals with Democrats. This is what they did here with this budget. They needed majority Democratic votes in order to pass this, even though we have a Republican-held Congress and White House. Well, the White House, I I will say, gets, uh, I'm going to let them off the hook on this one. And the reason I say that, although President Trump did sign the bill, he gave final approval of the bill, which I think was a mistake, The White House, to their credit, in past, has presented their budget proposal to Congress. So this is how it works. The White House presents their budget proposal, several several hundred pages in, in preparation and work done by the White House. They present their budget proposal to Congress, and then it is up to Congress to take the budget proposal and then craft spending legislation that that uh, that fits the, the the desires of the president of, of their commander in chief. Well, the problem with this is Congress is not listening to what the president wants. President Trump, to his credit, he's sending over very very fiscally responsible budget proposals, but the Congress and Senate, the House and Senate, are completely ignoring it. And how I know this is because the White House just last week sent over their their budget proposal for fiscal year 18 and 19. I believe that's right. They sent over their budget proposal to Congress, and in the same week, Congress already had legislation put together to pass this bloated spending bill. So there's, there's no way they took into, into exception or took, took notice of what the White House wanted when it comes to budgetary spending. So you have Republicans in Congress completely disregarding what President Trump wants when it comes to spending. So that, that right there is disrespectful in itself, that you don't even take into consideration what the president desires to be spent and not spent. And let's play another clip. This is clip two of Senator Rand Paul and the lack of oversight in Congress. Um, Let's listen. But guess what? Every one of these people, you'll see them come home to your state. You'll see them come home and they'll tell you how earnest they are and how the deficit is bad and big government spending is bad and we have to reduce waste. It's dishonest. They're not doing anything about the waste. The waste has been out there for probably half a century or more. Nothing's been done in the last 40 years for one precise reason. There is no oversight. 
you realize what they are passing is all of the money glommed together in one bill. No one will read the bill. No one knows what's in it. And there is no reform in the bill. That I can say with absolute certitude. No one will read it. No reform. Nothing gets better. The debt will grow. Exactly. I could not agree more, Senator Rand Paul. I could play that clip on repeat for the next year, and I would not get tired of listening to it. And I'm going to post a link to, to Senator Rand Paul's entire speech on the Senate floor, and you can go watch it for yourself. I would highly encourage it. It's very informative on wasteful government spending. One specific example of government waste is this. In Afghanistan, the Department of Defense, the government, the U.S. government, decided that they would invest in a natural gas station, a natural gas fuel station. So we funded this project, millions of dollars, gone into Afghanistan to provide a natural gas station. And once they got it built, and they went over budget dozens of times, once this was built, they looked around and realized that hardly any of our military equipment runs on natural gas. They built this natural gas station to, to save money and reduce our carbon footprint, so they claim. And then they get it built and realize none of the government equipment over there runs on natural gas. So here's what they do. They don't stop there. They keep digging their hole deeper as you say. They purchased cars, not for our military. They purchased cars for the civilians in Afghanistan. Cars that run on natural gas. Well, they got the cars distributed, paid for by the U.S. taxpayers, and they realized that the people in Afghanistan don't have the money to go get natural gas at the natural gas station that the U.S. government built with their natural gas cars that the U.S. government paid for. What do they do? They don't stop there. They give out credit cards to the people in Afghanistan so they can go buy natural gas with their natural gas cars, all paid for by the U.S. taxpayers. If that does not make you mad after you pay thousands of dollars in income taxes every year, to be shipped overseas and spent on wasteful projects like this, boy, that should make you mad. Um, I'm kind of I'm laughing cynically because if I don't laugh, I get angry. So, uh, anyways, but back to Congress. Congress is supposed to pass 12 appropriation bills each year to fund the government. Just like whether it be a company or a family, you sit around the table and you figure out what, how much money you have, how much you can spend, and you pass your budget. Well, only four times in the last 40 years has the Senate passed all appropriation bills. You heard me correctly. Four times in the last 40 years has the Senate passed all appropriation bills. Only four times. I would rather Congress not do anything but confirm appointments and pass budgets and go home. They sit up there and they have all these hearings and investigations and all these fancy dinners, but they don't actually do the people's business. So what I would recommend, the solution, is that Congress only do 
only process presidential executive branch appointments, judicial appointments, and pass a budget once a year. That would be a productive year. If, if the Congress passed all 12 spending bills in regular order and then took care of any other necessary business for the government to operate and then just go home, there would be less damage done if they would just go home. Of course, we need to fund our government. We need to process appointments, judicial and executive branch appointments. But other than that, they're doing more harm than good. They're doing more harm than good. And the spending in Washington, this budgetary dysfunction, this is the backbone of the swamp. Because here's what they do, and this is what the whole segment that I'm talking about hinges on. And that is these jumbo spending bills where nobody knows what's in it. It goes to their special interests and pet projects. So their buddies back home in their states get all this money in federal grants and tax dollars. No one knows where it goes and they go home happy on the weekend. And on top of this, they only work two and a half days a week. They fly in on Monday, go to din- go to a fancy dinner on Monday night. They work Tuesday and Wednesday, half a day on Thursday, and then they fly home. That's a typical week in Washington. So it's not like they're exhausting all their time and en- energy on the government's business, and they just don't have time to pass the budget. No, they don't want to pass all 12 appropriation bills in regular order. This is the backbone of the swamp, and we have to break it. And the only way to break it is to call your senator and demand they return to regular order, or, or, my wife gets on to me because I say or instead of or, uh, O-R. Here's what you can do. You can call your senator and demand that they return to regular order, or you can vote them out of office. Vote them out of office. And I think one thing that's wrong in our country, among many things, is that we have short-term memory. We, not literally, but when it comes to voting and politicians, we have short-term memory. So what, what a politician did a year ago, we sent, when it comes to election season, we totally forget it. And I'm guilty of this too. We have short-term memory. All we can really remember and all that seems to really uh, sway our vote one way or the other is what the congressman or senator did in the last 30 days, say. I think we need to be long-term voters. We need to be long-term memory voters. When we go to vote in November or whenever your election is, you need to look back at how your congressman or or senator has voted in years past. In years past. And that will help you get a bigger, better picture of whether your congressman or whether your senator is a part of the problem in Washington, D.C. or a part of the solution. So let's turn from being short-term memory voters to being long-term memory voters. One way you can do that is visit afaaction.net each election cycle, afaaction.net, and you can view our voter guide, view how your congressman or senator has voted in years past. Thank you all for tuning in to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. We'll be back next week exposing Washington. Talk to you then.